Welcome to In Your Area. This interesting conversation between Janet Kewen, Associate Broker at Remax Advantage in White Court, and true strategist and body language expert Pamela Barnum explores the importance of body language and communication in the real estate negotiation. Pamela chats about her past experience as an undercover police officer and prosecutor and how these two roles allowed her the ability to perfect the art of interpreting body language and intention. They discuss how to tell if someone is lying, the tricks used to identify who holds the power in a relationship, and the simple communication changes a realtor can make to establish trust with their clients. We hope you enjoy. Um, I'm Janet Kewen. I'm a realtor, uh, associate broker out of White Court, Alberta. I'm really excited and happy to discuss uh, this topic with Pamela Barnum. Uh, Pamela, you have given yourself, or at least I see one on your website, a really great title. How do you describe yourself? Janet, I thanks so much. Before I got into talking about body language and trust, because those are two areas that I'm very passionate about, I was an undercover police officer for you know close to nine years, and I was a police officer for 12. And during that time, I had a lot of involvement with real estate, but unfortunately, it was grow-ups. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that was a, another part of my career. And then from then, uh, after I finished that, I, I married my undercover partner. We had a son together. And of course, buying crack for a living as a mom, not a really... Um, mom-friendly job. So I was just finishing law school and I took a position in the Crown Attorney's Office as a federal Crown Prosecutor and went from there. So all of those things put together, I think, you know, especially even being a mom, led me to really using the skills that I built up over two decades in the criminal justice system. And that was how to build trust, because that was really, really important, not only to my personal safety, but to any investigations we were doing, and of course, in the courtroom. And then being able to read the body language, the nonverbals that people were communicating, because so often, uh, it's not what's being said verbally, but what hasn't been said that really gives us the most information, especially as a professional realtor, just paying attention to all of those different signs. Pamela, this is life and death you were going through. If you misread, how did that feel? That must oh. have been stressful. It was, especially, I have to say, as a woman, because when I was in the drug enforcement section, I was one of two women in a unit of 89 officers. So when we talk about glass ceilings and we talk about different challenges, and I'm confident that it exists across professions. Women have a separate set of challenges often that they have to overcome. And definitely personal safety was one of them. And I think that that's something we'll probably touch a little bit on during this podcast okay. is the safety because, you, you know, people I don't think realize, uh, at least the general public, how precarious it is to be in a home or in an, a building or a structure somewhere um, by yourself and, and having to you know be aware of what's going on around you and how to protect yourself so we can be in touch with that a little bit on that if you'd like as well absolutely because that seems like two different things building trust but also being safe absolutely okay okay and i i know that you also had to encompass both as well but okay tell me first impression 
you, you say you've got middle, you know, how many seconds to prove that you're a trustworthy person? What's your first step? What do you do? Oh, so our, the way our brain works is we don't even consciously recognize that we're judging people. We, we live in this culture now, especially with social media, where we talk about don't judge people, don't worry if people are judging you. And on the surface, I agree with that. But we can't. That's a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. We judge everyone all the time. Um, yeah, we and we do it within 50 milliseconds. Our limbic brain has already made a decision about whether or not you are friend or foe. And then within the first seven seconds of meeting someone, we, without even realizing it, we are looking for clues that will back up our first impression. So if we like someone immediately, even if they have terrible manners or something goes wrong, we're looking for reasons to overlook that. But if we are seeing someone as an enemy, someone we are concerned about, someone we don't trust, we look for reasons to back that up. So we can use our body language and our non-verbals. And when I say body language, I'm also encompassing the way we appear, the surroundings that we have. You know, there's some really interesting statistics about negotiating at a certain type of table and proximity and how to make those negotiations go better to build trust with the person you're dealing with. Okay, start from the beginning. How do you walk oh. up to someone? So when you walk yeah. up to someone, your appearance for sure, and I, you know, that's obviously not something that professional realtors have to think about. They're already looking sharp, prepared for meeting either the client or a colleague to discuss a deal. Um, there are a few things though that sometimes we don't even think about. Um, one is tattoos and tattoos are super popular and I know that you know probably more people have them than not but there have been studies that it does turn certain sectors of the population off in white-collar scenarios so if you have tattoos awesome if you can if there's somewhere that you can cover them up with a bit of clothing perfect the same with jewelry just you know minimal is better and makeup and we can go through all of these things but those are first impressions that people are judging on right away the, the second one is the handshake so as soon as you walk into the room and you offer your hand for a handshake my advice is always to go neutral so if you can imagine just sticking your hand straight out when you're going to shake the hand we've all heard about you know the the limp fish or this other person who comes in with that power grip and you're in your mind you're saying you know shake it don't break it just Take it easy. So if you are the person that's wanting to have the influence, wanting to build the trust and connection with your client or colleague, let them control how the handshake goes. If they have a weaker handshake, loosen up your grip. If they have a stronger handshake, strengthen your grip. Because the mirror neurons in our brain, that's how we make a connection with people. We like people who are like us. And I'm not talking about appearance or gender or religion or anything else. I'm talking about those mirror neurons are picking up on the fact that you are like me. So if you shake your hand like I do, if your posture is similar to mine, I like you more. And I don't know why, and I don't even consciously realize that, but we are all programmed in our subconscious and our limbic brain to like people who are like us in that behavior. Okay, so let's pretend we're with a husband and wife. Whose hand do you shake first? Well, you're gonna watch to see who has control in that scenario. That's a great question. Because you can tell, after you've had a, a little bit of small talk, whether it's with the weather or getting there, the curb appeal or whatever, the person whose navel, their belly button, if they, it is turned to the most powerful person in the relationship. 
So it won't be whether they're the husband or the wife, it will be where you see. So if let's say the husband turns his torso toward his wife, you know that she's the one making the decisions for this deal, or it's likely that she is. It's more likely that she's the decision maker. Okay, so then who do you shake first? The first I would, person, the most person in the control, is that what you mean? I, I would, and um, you know, oftentimes we think that shaking the woman's hand first is manners and good manners. And you know, that could be something that I don't want people to give too much thought to is to try, because if you're paying too much attention to what's going on, it may feel awkward. So go with your gut. Manners are always in style. And if that's your, if that's your go-to for sure, um, I don't think it'll be a deal breaker as to who you go to first, but it is good to be aware who the decision maker is because it's usually just the one or the one that has the more significant amount of power in that. Uh, Not always the one that talks the most. Oh, <laughs> well, you would know that as well as I do as a professional realtor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm not sure how much you've observed for realtors, but what is a common mistake we make that you've observed? Well, you know, and this even goes to business cards and websites is that the crossed arms, I'm not sure why that became so popular, um, especially turning the body with the arms crossed. Um, now, arms crossed, I think a lot of times in pictures, for example, it's because we don't know what to do with our arms. It feels awkward. The photographer told us to. But in person, when you cross your arms, it's a huge myth that you're defensive, that you could just be cold. You could be someone who has been at the gym and you want to show off your biceps a little bit more, whatever it is. There's a million reasons. But the person receiving it, the person seeing that, views it as defensive or closed off. They don't know why. They may not even consciously realize it, but something in their brain is telling them you are closed off to them. So if you can make a conscious effort to keep your hands in between your hip area and say your lower rib area. So just where it's comfortable, you know, where you stand and you would bend your elbow, that's where your hands lie. That's a very neutral, open, welcoming stance. And it may not look right for pictures, I'm not suggesting that, but when you're in person with someone and keeping your palms either facing each other a little bit, but slightly turned up, that indicates openness and you're ready to receive and you're open to listening. Palms down, it looks like a police officer coming in through a search warrant telling you, get down, get down on the ground. But keeping your hands neutral or slightly upturned creates uh, a, you know, a better rapport building scenario with the clients. Like you're reaching out, expecting communication, that kind of an idea? Is that absolutely, saying? that's exactly it. And when you're sitting, Keeping your hands visible, very important. Having your hands behind your back, have it, hiding your hands under the desk, not great plans because we want to be able to see people's hands. That shows us, you know, way back when that you didn't have a weapon in your hand, you didn't have a rock and you were going to, you know, crush the saber-toothed tiger, so to speak, that you, you are open. So, and if you, if you really want to relay authority, but in a friendly way, if you put your hands into your pockets, having your thumbs out is more well received than, than having uh, your thumbs hidden or you know, your thumbs hidden with the rest of your fingers out. If you put your, if you see pictures of doctors, even stock photos, et cetera, and they're in their lab coats, they always are posing with their thumbs sticking out. And it's to, 
It's to, re it's to relay that they have um, a, con a competence and a confidence around what they're doing. Okay, so you're not saying everybody go back and change your pictures. You're just saying in person. In person, exactly. And yeah. if, when you do have your photos retaken, I would really recommend not having your arms crossed for those photos. And definitely, you know, if you are going to be slightly turned away from the camera, which is completely fine, you know, having that genuine smile is so important because we can all sense a fake smile on people, even in photographs, we know. I am and you terrible can... at smiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you can practice it. This is the thing. Because look at actors. Um, and when I was working undercover, the smile is one of the biggest rapport builders you can have. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a big, I'm doing a toothpaste commercial kind of smile. It can simply be, you know, a slight smile as long as you're really focusing on and you, you can um, work on it. I'm not saying necessarily fake it, but you can work on it so that your eyes, underneath your eyes, there's the crinkles. And that's how we can tell a difference. It's called a Duchenne smile. And if you can practice in front of the mirror, it makes a huge difference for people. So for example, we're getting back just quickly to the handshake. When I shake your hand, Janet, if I go in to shake your hand, I give you a smile. And then as I'm shaking your hand, I say your name, Janet, your brain is interpreting that as she likes me. She's happy to meet me. Just saying my name made her smile. I like her back. So that is a great technique for realtors to use. Okay, two things for homework. Practice in front of a mirror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and learn people's names. Oh, it is important. Hugely important. That's, a, that's definitely a verbal technique. Is, and there's entire courses you can do on how to remember people's names. Um, but it, it's for sure, it's a definite, when you're, when you're shaking the hand, if you can say their name, it's a game changer. True. And you don't have to worry that your phone's going to autocorrect it. You're saying it straight to. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, we've all done yeah, that. that happened. Yeah, we've all done that. It's like, oh man, no, I can't take that back. <laughs> oh, good. Any signals to demonstrate the conversation and then we're open? Oh, absolutely. So again, do it. Here's a great rapport builder and one that works wonders in negotiations. So when you're having a conversation with someone, just subtly, and I'm talking very subtly, mirror what they're doing with their body language. So if that's sitting and they cross their leg, you know, a few seconds go by, you sort of casually cross your leg, the way you're standing. Um, when I go to conferences, I watch, I go down to the hotel bar area or go into the hallways at the conference, and I can see groups of people talking and I can watch and they will start mirroring one another's body language. That's how you can tell rapport is built. But here's an exercise that I would encourage everyone to try. So you're having a conversation, you're building some rapport, you feel things are going well. So you're mirroring just slightly, like I said, very subtly, their body language. Now, about a minute, two minutes into that feeling that, hey, things are going well, I would like you to try just slowly changing your body language. So maybe crossing the other leg, moving your coffee cup, whatever it is, and watch to see if they do that. If they start mirroring you, bam, you have built some great rapport and you know that things are going well. Now, because I would think we're trying to follow them, so they're actually the one in control. Like, you are, but it is great to know that you've built that 
connection. And you can do that as you start to subtly change it. Now you can, again, flow back and go with them, but it's really interesting to watch. And the feedback that I get from people after they've tried this is remarkable. And I mentioned, you know, moving a coffee cup, et cetera. I just, I want to set the room a little bit because, and you know, Janet, you can fill me in on this for sure. I know your listeners are going to know either you're meeting at your office, perhaps. I know a lot of things are done electronically now where you're meeting at the other realtor's office or you're meeting in the home, wherever it is. Yeah. If you can have a little bit of control over that space, here are some things, and these are not just my observations. These are actual studies and research to back this up. The first one is if you're having a meeting with someone, especially if you're not really sure it's going to go well, or there's a bit of confrontation a round table, it works wonders as opposed to a square or rectangular table builds more intimacy. And that it's, you know, that's why you see all those little round tables for two at romantic restaurants. It builds more. So intimacy. cute. It's yeah. Exactly. And if you can sit instead, if you have to be at a, at a squared table, if you can, if it's not awkward to sit beside them, that's better than across from them, or at least at a right angle. So you're at the end of the table, they're at the side of the table. Builds more rapport directly across from one another. If you have to, that's fine, but that's the least desirable option for building rapport. And now let's, whatever table you're at, let's say you're meeting at the coffee shop with your clients before you go review things or uh, you're at your office, wherever it is, be conscious about not placing your coffee cup, your water glass, pens, stapler, whatever it is between you and the person that you're trying to negotiate with, because that's just that subconscious barrier that's being built. And, and people don't call it that and they don't automatically think of that, but they've actually done studies where they, they video, you know, in the room, you don't know you're being videoed. Then they talk to the people afterward about how they felt. And with researchers, you know, putting the stapler there, even their pencils slowly building something up makes a difference. When I was a police officer and before I went to work undercover, I was a uniform officer. So when you would bring people in to, you know, interview or interrogate them, the, the best thing you could do is have them on a chair that had rollers on it so that they had freedom to move, to have no desk between you so that you could really observe their body language. If you didn't have that option, watch for them and what they're doing when you get to the hard questions, the ones they don't want to answer, and they start putting their pencil there, they move the pad of paper there, all of the things that they start building this subconscious barrier around themselves, those were clues that you were onto, onto something. And you know, for realtors in negotiations, if the person starts doing that, the deal is possibly not going as well as it could be. So being really conscious, watching for that so that you know the client's uncomfortable and you can course correct, or catch yourself from doing that so that you're not communicating to the client that you're building some sort of a barrier or there's a discomfort going on. Now, we do have clients that try to hold their cards tight to them. They don't want to tell us everything. And, and sometimes we need a little bit of help pulling that out of them. And you can see them. They, they're not telling you the truth and not telling you everything you need to know. Anything to help us that way? For sure. So if you know the client a little bit, you've dealt with them before, so the negotiations are going on, and you ask some questions and you see a deviation in their behavior. So it's a jump from their baseline. 
what that's telling you in that moment is they're not comfortable with what you're asking for or what you're asking them to give up. They're not comfortable with that, even if they're telling you something completely different. When their verbals are out of alignment with their nonverbals, another big clue. So if they're answering no, but they're nodding yes, pay more attention to what the nonverbal is telling you. Um, the same with our crossed arms. I mentioned that that doesn't mean anything could mean they're cold, but if everything's been going fine and then all of a sudden the stimulus after the question you've just asked or after the, the thing that you've asked them about or asked for them to include and they cross their arms all of a sudden, use that, pay attention to that. Now, all of the things we're talking about as far as nonverbals go, if uh, they're just taken in isolation, not super reliable. However, if you have clusters of two or more, a lot more reliable. So those are some things I would look for. Crossing legs, again, uh, could just be comfortable, but when someone crosses their legs out of the blue and into a figure four type position, so their, the base of their leg, their shin is sort of perpendicular there to the person creating that wall, uh, that's something to pay attention to. Also, shrinking posture. If you've asked someone, hey, I, when you're going through the disclosure list and you suspect that maybe they're not being completely forthright with you, uh, which I'm sure never happens in real estate. <laughs> A lot. <Okay. laughs> you know, were you growing plants in your closet or did, uh, was there a mold issue or all the different things you're going to ask about and their posture starts to shrink a little bit. Uh, pay attention to that. So they're trying to make themselves a little bit smaller. The next thing is covering their mouth when they're speaking. So really be alert to that. If they have, you know, you may want to question what comes out of their mouth next. Another tell, if you've asked them a question and they close their eyes for an unnecessarily long time. So there's, you know, we can close our eyes to recall things for a beat or two of a second. But when they keep them closed and then they're going to start talking, another deceptive behavior. So something to really, really watch for. Now, I've been told that sometimes people are just shy and they just react that way too. So we can't always jump. Absolutely. That. Okay. For sure. But you're watching how they're behaving when the easy questions are happening, when things are going well, and then you're watching for a deviation when you're getting into some tougher stuff. Okay, because we don't always have a lot of time to get to know them really well and see what their normal stance is, sitting, how they feel when they're not feeling like they're being interrogated, because we don't want them to feel that way either. You definitely don't. But, you know, if there's a good, there's, if there's commission on the line, you've got money on the line, you've done your research, you've checked out your potential clients possibly on social media, I, you know, I think maybe it's the investigator in me. Anytime I deal with people, I'm pretty thorough in what I'm looking for. And if what I see now, of course, what we see online is always the filtered version of everything that we want to put out there to the world. But it does give you a little bit of perspective on who that person is. And then you've had some conversation and you see those body language tells shifting. It may mean that they just remembered that they have to take the cat to the vet on Friday and it's upsetting to them. That you don't know what's, you're not a mind reader. But at the same time, just really be aware of those shifts that are happening um, and 
be a more alert to what's going to be said next. Can I touch on social media and doing videos and so Absolutely. on? Absolutely. You know, if, if we do a video, how careful do we have to be in, in our body language? What kinds of things? Because, you know, sometimes it depends on who's holding the camera, how you're handling it. How, how do you oh, make that work best? Extremely careful because people are watching. They're watching even more closely because they don't have the stimulus around them of being in person with you. So they're judging a lot um, more and they're paying a lot more attention because it's a smaller space and to where they're viewing and what they're seeing. So really being cognizant of your posture, hugely important. Posture will accomplishes a few things for us. Having great posture, not only keeps us away from the chiropractor more often, but it relays competence. So when we see someone with great posture, subconsciously we think they they are better at what they do than someone who doesn't and it also means they're more confident so we trust what they're saying a little bit more because we feel like wow they're really confident about this and so i believe them a little bit more i would say on video whether you're doing a facebook live you're doing a linkedin video whatever or maybe you're uploading to a youtube channel whatever that is great posture Standing if possible. If you're sitting again, using some hand gestures that make sense. When you're emphasizing something, larger hand gestures make a big difference. People are watching for that. They're, now, I'm not saying be frantic where your hands are above your head because then it just comes across as weird. Crazy person. As crazy, yeah. exactly. But natural gestures when you're speaking, leaning in, that's something of course in person and on video comes across really well when you're emphasizing a point, leaning in a little bit, or where you're talking about something that has a little bit more emotion attached to it, leaning in, those are important things on video. Of course, besides the lighting and the setting and all of those different things, because people are looking at everything. So for example, as we're recording this podcast right now, I'm in my office. Your viewers don't see it. But if they did, they would see my, my call to the bar from the Superior Court. They would see my law degree hanging on the wall. Those are nonverbals that I'm sending out when I'm speaking with someone. They would see a collection of books that tell a lot about me in the background. So. You may not even realize that you're looking for those things or looking at those things, but my credibility and my um, competence in what I'm talking about is amplified just somewhat by those things that people can see. So that's important. It's just like when you're taking photos of a person's home to sell or you're having photos taken, you know, you ask them, please put the lid down on the toilet, pick up the kitty litter, like put the towels off of the floor. Oh, absolutely yes. do take care of those details take care of those details okay do we need to make sure that we're polished all the time or does that turn some people off i think that professional is really the way to go polished maybe not so much because people you know they're dealing with if you're your authentic self and what i mean by that because that word gets thrown around so often is that what your values your beliefs around what you're doing if they match how you're behaving on the outside, that's authentic. So really being clear about that because clients, of course, just like you would pick up if someone, if you were dealing with someone in a sales position and you felt that they were just telling you what you wanted to hear and doing what you wanted them to do so that they could make that sale. 
everybody has that radar. We all have it. Some are better at it than others, but everybody has it. You know, you've walked away from meeting. Exactly. Yeah. You, you've met people and within the first couple of minutes, there's something about them that either makes you feel like you need to shower after or you just don't like and you often can't remember why that is. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. And, and like you said, they're going to decide if they like you or not. They will. And you can better your chances by some neutral things that we talked about with your nonverbals, great posture, and leaning in and having that empathetic open body language. Should we worry about color of our clothing? Does that matter? I don't think it does. I think that personal taste and style is exactly that. And I don't think that there is, now blue is seen as a more trustworthy color. So here, you know, I am a trust strategist, body language expert. I chose blue as one of the colors for my website. Policing, my uniforms were blue. There's a lot of meaning around it. You look at companies, um, LinkedIn, for example, Facebook, Blue. There's reasons behind that. Just like all of the realtor, the real estate companies have different colors that are communicating different things. Um, I think you know, just being you is the best way to be. Tidy, straight, put together, and you can be vibrant colors or be someone like me that owns very few things that are not black. Okay, that sounds fair. Okay, but so black isn't standoffish. It's just neutral. I think it's neutral. Okay. Now for men, here's, here's the thing for men that wear suits or sports jackets, unbuttoning, more rapport building, more trustworthy than being totally buttoned up. That's tough living in Alberta. Our jackets are done up or <laughs> scarves. Yeah. Well, your clients guess, are the same, so they're, they're probably yeah. not paying as much attention. So you're probably mirroring the same and that's okay. Yes. Okay. Because I've shown houses in 40 below and it's darn cold and it's just going to be quick. We're going to go through this house quick and then we're going to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they, they appreciate your consideration more than they care about your wardrobe. That's true. They're probably paying attention to that. Okay. Can we touch on safety? Sure. Yes. So here's, here's a really interesting thing. When I was doing some graduate research on nonverbals and negotiations and all of the things that go along with that, you would think that people with a PhD in communications who have studied this for years would be the creme de la creme, or perhaps police officers or lawyers, because we deal with people who are lying to us and perhaps want to hurt us on a daily basis. But that's, you know, th those are people are all really good and much better than the average person in skill set. But the largest set of skills belong to prisoners in maximum security penitentiaries who are in general population. And that's because 24 seven, their safety is at risk all the time, every single day. So they did a study to show people that were in maximum security penitentiaries that had um, convictions for a violent crime, murder, sex assault, violent uh, beatings, etc. And here's what they found. They showed them videos of men, women, uh, all different ages, different ethnicities, um, different appearances, body weights, athleticism, all of that. You can imagine just, you know, you walk down the street in anywhere in Alberta and there's, you just take a hundred people and they all look different. So that's what they did. They videoed these people walking down the street. 
doing nothing aside from walking. Every single person from the penitentiary, the prisoners that they showed the videos to, chose the same people they would victimize. And it was not, like I said, based on age or race or ethnicity or anything else or the way they, a little bit about what they were wearing. And I can get into that in a moment. But when they interviewed them, they, and it was interesting because the people that they had picked oftentimes had been victimized in some way. So what that told the researchers were a couple of things. One, obviously, that the prisoners are great at picking stuff out. But number two, the, and here's how they chose people, based on how they walked, based on their posture. So you take a look at Ted Bundy. They had a special on him on Netflix. And there was a quote that he said, you know, I knew who my next victim was essentially based on how they walked, by, by the way they carried themselves. And all of them say the same thing. So when you are dealing with someone, and I don't, uh, know specifically the rules about open houses if you need to have another realtor with you. Um, but I if you don't, I would highly recommend it because having someone else and at least having someone clearly who knows where you are, how long you're going to be, all of those things are just common sense. But your body language, here's a key. Uh, there's a TED talk by a woman named Amy Cuddy and she's a Harvard researcher and she did this whole thing. We talk about you know, I've been talking a lot about how we can control our body language and what to display, but our body language also sends messages to our brains. So she did this research around confidence and the power pose. And if you can imagine Wonder Woman standing with her hands on her hips or Superman with his cape flowing behind him, you know, that power pose, hands on the hips. She Yes, with, with, with or without the costume, whatever floats your boat, I guess. But um, she, uh, she, she, did um, measurements, blood work, and did MRIs on people before and after the, and during that pose. And her research showed that we can change our hormones. So we can increase our testosterone, lower our cortisol, which is our stressor, by using that pose for two minutes or more. So before you leave the house for a meeting, before, now I'm not suggesting you walk around, you know, like Wonder Woman all day long or Superman, because that's going to be odd, but you can do it yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror or simply standing there with a really upright posture in the power pose. It will tell your brain you're more confident and you're less stressed. And that, you know, I did a piece on global news in Calgary earlier in the summer about predators and what to look for because a lot more people were out at um, you know public transit etc late at night coming out from you know the the pubs and entertainment etc and what to look for and how to not look like a victim and of course posture is a no-brainer standing up straight walking a little bit brisker than you normally would really important uh, if you're slow, the other thing, of course, looking at your phone all the time, looking at your device, not being aware of what's happening around you. Predators are looking for that. So being aware of what's happening around you and how you dress. Now, this was a small, small piece of the research. And the only reason that the predators chose a certain type of clothing, because it was restrictive, because it would slow the victim down. So footwear and restrictive pants would be something that they would be um, you know, zoning in on a little bit. So I'm not saying you know, don't give up your beautiful shoes and looking so amazing, but if that's a concern for you, 
uh, a more sensible shoe that's still attractive uh, could be helpful. Or kick the stilettos off and run. <laughs> <laughs> or kick the stilettos off and run, exactly. Okay, so that, so is there some way that just like crossing your arms that somebody would read you wrong? You know, I'm trustworthy, but I'm also ready to flee if I had to. Um, I think confidence is really the theme that I would encourage people to go with most. And, you know, just when you have your files, for example, because you bring the files or you bring the spec sheets on the or home, whatever it is, yeah. don't, be, don't hold it unless you have to, and, or, your, or your handbag or your briefcase. And if you have to, hold it in your non-dominant hand. Okay. So having it, you know, for me, I'm right-handed. I was trained and, and I'm very aware now. I always carry things like, you know, my groceries, my handbag, what in my left hand, so that my right hand is always ready. Now, the exception, keys. If you're gonna be carrying keys, those go in your dominant hand because of course they become a weapon pretty quickly. So dominant hand for keys. And your open right hand's ready for handshake too. You're, that's right, you are, or a left hook, whatever the situation calls for. <laughs> okay, so you might have to practice your left hook sometimes. There you go. Just kidding. Okay. To look back on anything, is there anything that's going to help us to also not look fake when we're trying to first meet somebody for the first time? Okay. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, being enthusiastic is one thing, but fawning and too much um, is completely another. So always you're in it for the client they are your most important thing in that very moment and if that's what you really believe and that's what you think in your mind during the meeting now i get that there are some that are a total pain and can be completely unreasonable so you may have to keep reminding yourself how much you really appreciate that person on the other end of the conversation but if you can keep that at the forefront as much as possible it will naturally come out in your nonverbals, and when the situation gets a little hot and sticky um, just reminding yourself of that taking a few breaths really important and then when you get into the privacy of your own vehicle calling a colleague or a friend uh, to vent a little bit I think is always helpful and and I appreciate Realtors uh, I just sold my house it closed on Monday so <laughs> I Thank you. And it, you know, now, you know, the whole thing buying it, et cetera. So it's funny because our realtor was like, are you judging my body language right now? What am I really thinking? It was, uh, we had a lot of fun, but you know, trying to keep the emotion out of it is so hard uh, for clients. And I know that you realtors really give a lot of grace and latitude to unreasonable clients at times. So I just, I want to thank all the realtors in advance that I may ever have to deal with. Wow, that's great. Thank you for realizing that. You probably picked up on those body cues all in your own, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and I, I just like to say that, you know, I'm, I'm positive everybody's in it for the right reasons. And we just want to show that in their body as well. Uh, absolutely. And that really comes across in everything you do from that first meeting to the photos that you have of yourself that you're using for marketing. All of those things really come full circle because you know, the majority of our communication, no matter whether it's online, in pictures, in person, is nonverbal. It's not as much as what's being said as what's not being said that really makes a difference. 
It is, it is. All right, so we're going to practice in front of a mirror tonight. We're going to <laughs> I love it. Power pose. Yeah. Yeah, power pose and smiling. Yes. So, thank you for that. Can I just Michelle? ask a question? Yeah. Um, so I think from what I'm hearing, a lot of this stuff is actually quite natural. I think the, the problem becomes when we tend to overthink things like those poses that we do for pictures and whatnot. But I think mirroring itself is probably a fairly natural um, you know, thing that people do in conversations just when they're, they're genuinely engaged in the conversation, they will naturally turn toward one another. Um, I've, I've heard that people will cross their legs towards the person that they're um, interested in or towards somebody that they are trusting, similar to what you said with the navel. I've also, you know, understand the value of eye contact. And I think that's one element that we didn't fully touch on is the importance of eye contact when it comes to creating trustworthiness. And um, is it true as well? And I don't know if you know this, Pamela, or if this is just a complete myth that's out there, that people will look a certain direction when they are lying. That is a myth. It is. is okay. It is a myth. Yeah. It is. So I agree. eye contact is important. Absolutely. Some people, and of course, I think all of your realtors are culturally sensitive that you know we're dealing with all people from all over the world are, are coming yeah. to Alberta because it's such an, an amazing province. So you're dealing with people that have different cultural sensitivities and making yourself mm -hmm. aware of those really, really important. In some cultures, too much eye contact is completely off-putting, as is a handshake. So as is uh, you know, touching a woman. So here, here's a, just a quick, uh, and we'll get to the eye contact in just a moment, but while I'm on a handshake, have you ever had a handshake with someone where you shake their hand and then they put their other hand over top of your hand? Like the politician's handshake? Yeah. Overcompensate. Like, does anyone like that? No. no, nobody likes that. And especially women don't like that. And here's what else is a little bit presumptive. And this happens, uh, it happened a lot in law enforcement. So you're doing a handshake, another, not with the public, but with other male officers will either touch your upper arm or touch your elbow, touch your shoulder with their other hand while they're shaking your hand. Women do not like that. We do not want to be handled. It's patronizing. So if you, now when another woman does it with a woman, it's kind of neutralish. But for your male realtors, please, normal handshake, straight up. You don't need to touch their elbow, their upper arm, their back, anything else. Now, if you're a waiter, touching gives you bigger tips and there's a whole different set of you know rules around that but in a professional setting with realtors no handshakes enough doesn't need to be anymore so um, getting back to the eye contact for north american culture 60 ish percent eye contact natural eye contact is great if the person starts looking left or right or down or up means nothing they could be they've done some you know, training with people that say, you know, if you look up to the left, you're making it up or up to the right, you're recalling something. None of that is true. And most of us uh, or, and most people in the public are not paying that close attention to exactly where the person's eyes are in that moment. So if you are uncomfortable with making eye contact or eye contact feels a bit awkward for you, here's an easy exercise you can start doing. When you go to the grocery store or you're holiday shopping or you're out uh, and about doing whatever, try to, when you're talking to the, per or paying or doing whatever, maybe you're not even talking, try to uh, register what their eye color is. 
And you won't have, I'm not talking, you know, creepy, weird stare at the person, but you're kind of glancing, you're sort of looking. When you can start doing that naturally, you will come across as more trustworthy, more empathetic. So using that sort of 60, 70 ish range, really, really helpful. And you don't have to be looking right at their eyes all the time. You can be looking at their mouth, their nose, their ears. They don't really see because you're not that close. Hopefully you're respecting the personal space of people. Mm -hmm. So does that answer the question or? Yeah, absolutely. I think bringing in the element that, that people are from, have other cultures and other backgrounds is really important as well to recognize. Um, and just because it's something that you are comfortable with doesn't necessarily mean it's what other people are comfortable with. Absolutely. And you can watch for that. And again, obviously, you know, you've done a little research on the person, you know, you don't want to make assumptions because yeah. just because you Googled something doesn't make it true. Um, yeah. You know, you, you definitely want to be respect and just watching them for a moment, how they reach out to you, what they do, how they, that will give you a ton of information. Active listening is probably the most lucrative skill anyone in sales could ever have, no matter what that is. Absolutely, yeah, I definitely wanna thank you, Pamela, for coming and approaching us, giving these great ideas and speaking with us today. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for having me. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. I've enjoyed this so much. And I wanna thank all the realtors out there who put up with so much that people don't even realize. And how you maintain your composure and your body language still looks happy and open half the time, Hats off to all of you. Wow. Sometimes we have a lot of inside voices, I think. I'm sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but we mean well. So thank you for understanding that. Really appreciate it. Thank you to Pamela and Janet for their time. We hope to see you the next time we are in your area.